Chapter 11 of The Tickencoat Treasure by William LeCue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 11 Forestalled. Mere words fail to express my chagrin. Job Seal could perhaps have uttered remarks sufficiently pointed and appropriate, but for myself I could only reflect that this unknown man, who called himself Mr. Purvis of London, had forestalled me. The parchment he had purchased of this drink-sodden old yokel might, for aught I knew, give a clue to the spot of which I was in search. We had more than a thousand golden guineas locked up safely in the bank in London, but both Seal, Mr. Stafford, and myself felt certain that the great bulk of the treasure still remained undiscovered. But what was the explanation of these inquiries by the mysterious Purvis? He evidently knew that the family of Nutton had been appointed hereditary guardians of the Italian's hoard, and he, like myself, was investigating the possibility of securing it. I asked the old laborer, Ben Nutton, to describe the parchment he had sold, but, owing to the landlady's sharp and well-meant remonstrance, he was not communicative. It was all stained and faded, so you could hardly see there was any writing on it at all, he said vaguely. But there was a seal on it? What was it like? Oh, it was a thick round bit of wax that had been put on a narrow piece of parchment and threaded through at the bottom so that it hung down. Did you ever notice the device on the seal? I inquired eagerly. There was a lion or some at. It were very much like what's on the stone in front of Caldecott Manor. That decided me. The document the foolish old simpleton had sold for half a sovereign was the one that had been in his family since the days of Queen Elizabeth, and in all probability gave some clue, if a guarded one, to the secret. The stranger knew all about the Nuttons, I hazarded. Lord bless you, yes. He knew more about my family than I do myself. Been studying him, he said. I smiled within myself. Whoever this man Purvis was, he was certainly no fool. Well, observed the landlady, addressing me, my own opinion is, sir, that Ben has made a very great mistake in selling the paper to a stranger. He don't know what it might not be worth. I quite agree, I said. The thing should have been examined first. Oh, said the old man, Mr. Beresford, who was the parson before Mr. Pocock, borrowed it from my brother Dick and kept it for a long time, but couldn't make head nor tail of the thing. He said it was written in some kind of secret writing. In cipher, perhaps, I remarked. And then it occurred to me what Mr. Stafford had told me, that at the end of the 16th century, a great many private documents were so written that only those in possession of a key could decipher them. It might be so in the case of the one in question. How big was it? I inquired. Oh, when it were spread out, it measured about a foot square. It folded up, and there was some scribbling on the back. I remember that my father, just before he died, called Dick to him and told him to look in the bottom of the old chest, the one I've got at home now. He did so, and brought the faded old thing out. I'd never seen it before, but my father told Dick to keep it all his life and to give it to his eldest son. He made Dick promise that. And before your brother Dick died, he carried out his father's wish? Yes, sir. Then young Dick gave it to me. I thought half a sovereign for it was a good bargain. It all depends on what it contained. It might have been of great importance to your family, I said. It might have had to do with a fortune, which is supposed to be yours by right. 
ah sir the landlady exclaimed smiling we've heard a lot about that great fortune of the nuttons i used to hear all about it when i was a girl how that if they had their own they'd be as rich as the marquis of exeter it's an old story in rockingham it was foolish in the extreme to sell a document of the contents of which he was ignorant i declared but he's parted with it and it's gone so as far as i can see nothing could be done where's the half-sovereign asked the landlady sharply of the old fellow span it yes on drink she said you know very well you treated all your friends out of it both here and at the other inns and that you haven't been sober these two days till to-night if you didn't have so much beer ben nothing it would be better for you and for us too i can tell you that that's enough missus the old man said you're always grumbling you are i left the old yokel sitting on a bench over a big mug of beer and chatted with the landlady in the course of conversation i asked if she knew anyone of the name of woolerton but she was unaware of any person bearing that cognomen then in the summer twilight i strolled back to my headquarters in caldicott much puzzled over the curious manner in which i had been checkmated by this mysterious purpose as far as it went my visit there had been satisfactory because i had established the fact that there was truth in the story of bartholomew de chornel's property at caldicott and that in the family of nutton there had been until two days ago a document similar in form to that i had found on board the seahorse we had in the bank tangible proof that the owner of the seahorse was a man of wealth therefore i could not help believing that there was treasure stored somewhere ashore besides the local legend of the fortune of the nuttons added greatly to its possibility i smoked with a couple of farmers that evening and learnt what i could from them it was not much only that a few years ago someone had taken the manor house with an idea of turning it into a private lunatic asylum did it answer i asked of one no they had only three gentlemen so i suppose it didn't pay neither of the men knew anything regarding the facts i desired to prove they were not natives of the place one being from orton in huntingdonshire and the other from islip near thrapston so they were not versed in the legendary lore of the place i ate my plain supper alone and went to bed when the house closed at ten but betimes i was up and before noon next day was sitting in mr stafford's little black study he had before him a big pile of valuable manuscripts which he was deciphering and investigating part of his profession being to catalogue and value manuscripts for certain well-known dealers and auctioneers this is a profession in itself and requires the most erudite knowledge of the medieval literature of europe as well as an acquaintance with the rarity of any particular manuscript piled on the table was a batch just sent from one of the west end firms who employed him most of the bindings were the original ones oaken boards covered with leather some were of purple velvet mostly faded while the manuscripts themselves were of a varied character latin bibles of the twelfth and thirteenth centuries an exquisite fifteenth-century hora with splendid illuminations and miniatures a rare copy of what is known as la bible de herman a fine gothic copy of du Guesclin, with miniatures in camayo gris heightened with gold a tenth-century hieronymus and a dozen other smaller manuscripts the value of none being below fifty pounds apiece ah cried the old gentleman pushing his spectacles to his forehead as i entered i'm very glad to see you doctor 
and he moved aside a wonderfully illuminated hore that he had been examining counting the number of leaves the number of lines to a column the number of miniatures and determining its date and where it was written so you've been down to caldecott well what did you discover i took the cigarette he offered and flinging myself in the old armchair related all that had transpired and all that i had discovered as i did so he drew towards him the old vellum volume that i had discovered on board the seahorse the book written by bartholomew de chorno and opened it at a place where he had put in a slip of paper as a mark you have certainly not been idle he remarked neither have i to be brief doctor i have after spending the whole of yesterday upon this manuscript at last discovered the secret referred to in the beginning you have i gasped excitedly what is it the secret of the treasure no not exactly that was his answer calm and slow as befitted an expert in such a dry-as-dust subject as faded parchments but there is given here the key to a certain cipher which may assist us in a very great degree there is or rather was in the possession of richard nutton and his family a certain document written in cipher explaining how and where the italian had disposed of his secret hoard it was written in cryptic writing in order that the knuttons themselves although guardians of the secret should not be able to seize the treasure only by means of the book can the document entrusted to them by old bartholomew be deciphered here is a full description of it let me read in english what it says i have this day the fourth of may fifteen ninety given into the hands of my trusted lieutenant richard nutton a parchment wherein is explained the hiding place of all i possess including all that i took from the spanish galleon two years ago i have presented unto this same richard nutton the manor farm of caldecott as a free gift to him and to his heirs for ever while he has sworn before god to hand down the sealed parchment to his eldest son and so on until the gold shall be wanted for the treasury of the noble knights of st stephen the document is in cipher that no man can read but hereunto i attach a key to it by which the secret of the treasure-house may at the proper time be revealed and its contents handed over either to the knights at pisa or to the youngest representative of the house of wallerton as i have already willed then remarked the old expert there follows an alphabet to which he has fortunately placed the cipher equivalent and by means of which we should be enabled to make out the document in the hands of the Nuttons. Mr. Staffer, I said gravely, interrupting him, I much regret to tell you that we have been forestalled. Forestalled? How? he cried, starting and turning to look at me full in the face. I explained my meeting with the besotted Ben Nutton of Rockingham, and of how, only two days ago, he had sold for half a sovereign the actual document we wanted, and had been drunk for a couple of days afterwards what bad luck exclaimed the old man what infernal luck if we had got hold of that the secret would have been ours within an hour or two but as the thing has passed into other hands well as far as i can see at present 
we must remain utterly in the dark yes but there is a great mystery surrounding the identity of the person who has so cleverly forestalled us i said who can he be and how can he be aware of the existence of the treasure the old man shook his head my dear doctor he said the whole affair is very romantic and mysterious one it certainly increases our difficulties a hundredfold now that the last of the nuttons has sold the parchment that has been in his family for three centuries or so still we have at least one satisfaction that of knowing that the person into whose hands it has passed can make nothing out of it without the key contained here and he smiled with evident satisfaction we must discover the identity of this man who calls himself purvis i said firmly perhaps we can obtain it from him we must by fair means or foul remarked mr stafford calmly taking off his spectacles and wiping them carefully i agree with you entirely we must recover possession of that parchment end of chapter eleven